Hello and welcome to The Evocative Project. My name's Blake Bradford and I'm so happy to have you here today. The Evocative Project is all about building confidence from within, about having and knowing your why. Why you're doing what you're doing and with this project through my stories, co-hosts and guests, we're going to teach you the skills that you need to take on life and fulfill it with purpose. Hey guys, Blake Bradford here from Evocative. I thought I would take the opportunity to let you know about our mental fitness survey. It will come at no surprise that Evocative are passionate about helping individuals, athletes and business owners just like yourself improve confidence and build your mental fitness so that you can continue the emotional conversations with your friends and family. I invite you to join us on our quest to build mental fitness in our communities with a short four to seven minute survey that will allow Evocative to deploy the most valuable content and media based around exactly what matters to you most. You can find the survey on our website, which is evocative.com.au by simply scrolling halfway down the homepage and clicking on the mental fitness survey. We will also leave a link to our website in the show notes. Besides the great feeling of helping others, we will also be gifting you a $40 voucher that you can use on any purchase in the Evocative store. So let's build. Let's build mental fitness. Let's build empathetic confidence and let's stop suicide together. Thank you so much for your support and for now, Let's jump in to this incredible episode of The Evocative Project. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another incredible episode here on The Evocative Project. When you can't help yourself, you need help from others. And sometimes that person is a health professional. Sometimes that person is your psychologist. And this time, today, on The Evocative Project, that person is Nicole Horsford and developing an understanding for herself wasn't the purpose of studying psychology. It was the byproduct. Nicole went through a large majority of her life suffering or living with depression and sadness, which was attracting negative results, negative people, negative relationships, and they were all unfortunately coupled with poor outcomes. At age 29, Divorced and with an 18-month-year-old daughter, Nikki realised she had to make something for herself. And funnily enough, that something was helping people professionally. Including her honours, it took Nicole seven years of hard work, sacrifice, support and sheer determination to finally have her belief in herself to show that she was on the right path. Focusing now strongly on women becoming the best versions of themselves after realising her personal success on that exact journey, she has developed an incredible online platform with courses and coaching called Intuitive You. Nikki believes relationships shouldn't be hard, but she does believe that they require hard work. As she says in this podcast so brilliantly and on her website, we both, men and women, 
when put effort into working on ourselves and working on, on healing our emotional wounds, a relationship can blossom and true connections can really be experienced. Validating the importance of the evocative three pillars to mental fitness, which are physical movement, empathy, and discipline, we dive deeper and explore in greater depth her clinical explanations and executions on those exact topics. Putting yourself into a positive vibrational state, putting yourself into a creative space and creating positive affirmations for yourself and becoming more self-compassionate are just a small selection of the tips that Nikki highlights and provides in today's incredible episode. So without any more introduction, without any more conversation from me, let's dive into this beautiful, enriching, and certainly self-aware conversation with the incredible Nikki Horsford. Chew. Welcome, 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 Nikki or Nicole Horsford. Thank you so much for jumping on the Evocative Project today. Uh, thanks for having me, Blake. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I'm really humbled to have our first general psychologist on the program, on the project, and it gives me great honour to welcome a friend and I guess a family member almost into the <laughs> almost. hot seat, um, being <laughs> one of mum's very close friends. Um, I haven't spent too much time getting to know you, but I'm very excited to explore your history and who you were and how you developed into who you are today, which is exactly what the project's all about. Uh, Very excited to explore some topics around self-awareness, empathy, self-love, vulnerability, and then, of course, the mental fitness, which is where Evocative is situated in the space at the moment. So, I mean, without any more introduction... If you would love to start us off with the Nikki story and yeah. we'll, we'll dive into those topics as they come up. Yeah, awesome. Well, the Nikki story, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> mm, you decide. <laughs> Early childhood um, into study into now. Yeah, so I guess um, a, a big standout for mine that has contributed to who I am today is um, going through teenage depression, early 20s depression. I think a lot of people did. Um, but yeah, I really struggled in those teenage years in the early 20 years. Um, just really lost, didn't know who I was. Um, didn't have a bad childhood by any means. Um, I think um, level of self-awareness for both my parents contributed to uh, things being lacking, not blaming them by any means, but just things lacking, um, which led then to, you know, huge amounts of struggles with relationships and career choices and everything like that throughout my twenties. Uh, didn't believe I was smart enough (laughs) to study psychology. So hence why it took me a long time to actually get on that train. So I didn't actually begin studying psychology till I was 29, um, so quite the journey um, since then. Uh, it's been a great, great process for me to actually work through a lot of my own stuff. I uh, really enjoyed actually getting to know myself in a whole new light and healing so much stuff along the way, which has been fantastic. Um, yeah, so begun studying at 29. Um, also had my daughter at 29 
And then not long, probably 18 months after I had her, went through, sorry, no, I went through a divorce. Then I started studying with an 18-month-old. So quite the journey for three or four years at uni and then taking on honours as well, which then led me into a two-year supervised internship, uh, which I did do in Mackay. That's how I met your mama. (laughs) And, yeah, now I've been uh, living at the sunny coast and practising down here for the last few years, which absolutely loving so yeah it's been quite quite the journey (laughs) yeah beautiful I want to uh take you back a little bit to where you spoke about your teenage depression and then into early adulthood depression can you just talk us through that and some of the emotions you, you you experienced through that and what may have fueled that yeah, sure. Um, I think the teenage depression, a lot of that would have been contributed from um, organic factors. So I suffered um, endometriosis, unknown, undiagnosed endometriosis from a very young age. A um, lot of hormonal imbalances for me, unfortunately, which led to, you know, um, impact on sleep, impact on just being able to balance my emotions. Um, I was quite the rebellious teenager. Um <laughs> probably probably um behaviors I look back on now and not so proud of but of course that's part of our development is going through those through those years um yeah so a lot of a lot of sadness during my my teenage years a lot of um a lot of that feeling lost just not really connected with myself struggled to connect with others um tend to with withdraw a lot um probably fairly fairly common symptoms for for teenage years um seen a lot of teenagers myself as now as a clinician with a lot of similar symptoms so it's easy to relate to them thankfully that being through it myself um yeah early 20s um that was where I really started to struggle with relationships so just a lot of projection of my own stuff, my own um, childhood wounding that I projected onto others, um, repeating a lot of shitty behaviours <laughs> in relationships. And, of course, that that led to a lot of relationships ending um, probably mostly on because of my behaviours. Quite abruptly um, or was it just um, progressively over time? Because I think it's I have this like a great belief and you can correct me if I'm wrong and shouldn't be preaching this more or less, but... I believe, and I think it's sort of what we'll go into with your intuitive view, is the need for self-love, the need to find oneself before you can have love from someone else. Yeah. Um, I've seen a great, a great um, meme, I would call it, yesterday actually that a friend shared. And it was a photo of these two people on a TV and one of them was saying in a voice box said, you're my world. And then there was mm-hmm. another couple sitting on a couch watching the TV and. I think it was a male asked the female and said, is that what I am to you? And she said, no. And I was like, that's actually valuable. In my <laughs> I think that's quite valuable because you mm. need to be your own world before you can allow someone else to merge with you. Yeah, so 100%. Yeah. So that was, that was part of that really lost feeling. So that lack of connection with self was massive. Um, I really struggled 
really struggled to know who I was, um, what I was about, uh, where I fit in in the world. Um, I didn't really understand my calling and where I was meant to go. So that obviously was the impact of career choices along the way. Um, yeah, flicking around between retail, hospitality, um, admin, also all, all great because they all gave me skills and whatever else I needed. Um, did do another degree in my early 20s, but <laughs> it's uh, not being at all. I did a Bachelor of Business Information Systems, so I was writing and designing programs, which me sitting still in front of a computer. <laughs> no. Yeah, I feel that. And diving a little bit deeper into that dating world, did you feel, I spoke to um, mum just the other day and about this topic and this conversation and I said, is there any dirt you got on it? She said, nah, she's such an incredible woman. Um, she said, but one thing I would bring up and in light of what you're doing now is about mm-hmm. your relationships and your dating. And she more or less yeah. said that you become a person that was probably so lost in herself that you were diving into relationships in order to solve their problems to fix other people was that Mm. something you experienced like have you reflected on that to think that that's something that yeah it's it was definitely a pattern of mine um I definitely was drawn to people who were broken or needed fixing in some way Mm. um very much was my own patterns I I needed to heal so much within me um, and that that really wasn't clear until I started studying psychology. Um, that really opened that up for me and actually made me look, actually reflect on myself and actually see those patterns and start to understand that. I actually took a two-year, uh, I wouldn't say dating ban, but two-year hiatus, I suppose, from dating, um, which was really good for me, um, just just zero dating for the whole of two years, just to fully reflect on myself and really go in really internal and yeah, work through all the stuff, all the layers that um, were within me that needed to be healed and worked through. I feel mm. like I've just clocked over two months, uh, two years, sorry, of being single. Yeah. And I've that, I feel like I'm on that journey. I was like, figure yourself <laughs> out, figure your own shit out, who you are, yeah. who you want to be, and you'll yeah. be better in your future relationships. It's- Absolutely. It's a good amount of time, I feel, to really, and a good age too, you know, to really reflect on yourself and, you know, you you get past that brain maturity in your late 20s and then, you know, as you sort of get into your early 30s and stuff, it's, yeah, it's nice to start to reflect on that and grow from that. It's been a really beautiful journey, actually. And um, through those relationships and stuff, and you said you didn't really start to discover who you were or the reasonings mm-hmm. for those relationships and your personality. Did you ever seek professional help through that period or it was more? Yes. I had a little bit of counselling when I was going through my divorce. Um, That probably helped, I guess, springboard me to have the confidence to move out of that, move out of that marriage. Um, But Going forward from that, I flicked around in the dark for a few years trying to figure it out by myself, um, which looking back now, I I could have probably speed, sped the process up a little bit had I have reached out and actually got some counselling or some psychological help or coaching or some sort. Um, but also, too, I feel like I've, I've learnt so much more about myself, so much more about the actual struggle of the whole thing. So... I feel I've done it my way, <laughs> which um, I appreciate so much more now. 
Mm. Yeah, because I done virtually the same thing through my separation. Saw a counsellor straight away, navigated through that um, really quite successfully, and it got to a point where I was at the end of it was one session. We pretty much were just conversating for the last half an hour of it, and we yeah. both looked at each other. I was like, I think this might be my last appointment with you for a while. And she's like, <laughs> I think so too. And it was yeah. really quite a beautiful feeling. And then now to be able to navigate through life and explore who I am, which I guess mm-hmm. you've done there to to get to that end chapter or to that start yeah. of that new chapter to explore. Yeah, yourself. it's never an end chapter. It's always no. <laughs> the new advancement. And you said that 29, you've had a child. Talk to us about the process in starting studying with a new new daughter. Um, yeah, I guess going through the divorce, um, and not having a solid career, I really wanted something secure for my future. Um, I knew I needed to embark on a journey to help myself, but I also had this great love for helping others, obviously with my pattern of (laughs) drawing men in that I wanted to help and fix. Um, so yeah, I was really drawn into psychology and thanks to my beautiful aunt who she really helped me, well, helped push me to reach that goal and reach that dream. Um, yeah, I somehow managed to struggle through many years of studying, working and child to, uh, yeah, to get to the point of registration. Yeah. Talk to us about that journey. Like I know like a lot of people put things in the too hard basket. You know, they look at their situation and they think, oh, no, nah, I can't, I've got a kid or no, nah, I already work one job or oh, my hours are too hectic or I want my weekend free. <laughs> you would have had none of that. You would have had, you know, all the excuses under the sun, you know, a parent, single parent, low income. I need probably two jobs studying how I can actually devote my time and energy to become the best clinician possible um and then you went on to do your honors as well which is another two years which is absolutely incredible how did you navigate through that because I think like personally I'm a bit of a go-getter and I would just make it happen and mum explains or describes you as a very similar personality (laughs) you're probably the most driven motivated or self-motivated person she's ever met and I was like, yeah. oh, what about me? She's like, oh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of people, unfortunately, put this barrier up in front of themselves that, one, they probably don't think they can. Two, they don't believe they can, so they never do. How are yeah. you able to, I guess, rip that barrier down and strive <laughs> on through? Yeah, look, that barrier was there. There was a lot of um, self-doubt throughout the whole process. Um, I must say, I do owe your mum a massive big thank you. She, she believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. So she was there in my corner (laughs) holding me up. So she was amazing. Um, also a lot of other people, you know, my auntie was there. She was there in my corner the whole time, holding me up, pushing me to, to study, um, excuse me, giving me, um, yeah, whatever help I needed with my daughter. She, yeah, was there to just help out. Um, my parents were there, uh, throughout the first couple of years. Um, I lived in the same town as them for the first couple of years. So they were able to help out as well. 
And I just had, you know what, I had a really beautiful community around me. Just people wanted just to help me. They wanted to help me with my daughter. They wanted to, um, they wanted to see me succeed. They wanted to see me make something great of myself. And they all believed in me. And I tell you what, for the first probably actually no, for the whole of the study, for the whole of the uni degree, I did have a lot of self-doubt. Um, just didn't believe enough in myself, didn't believe enough in my abilities, um, that I was, that it was all going to be worth it because it is quite the process. You ask any psychology student and they're, you know, (laughs) they're like, is it worth it at the end? Cause there's so much work to do the whole way through. Um, so yeah, lack of sleep, um, pretty much work all day, study half the night, sleep for five hours, get up, rinse and repeat seven days a week. So that was pretty much my life for, uh, yeah, what the five years of, of uni, so it was tough, but I'll tell you what, so worth it. So worth it. I actually really love my job. I don't feel like I work. I feel like I get to go and help people every day and guide people to a beautiful new version of themselves. And, you know, working through the layers, just seeing those light bulb moments and seeing those layers healed, seeing those new behaviors coming through it's just such the great reward so I just love it it's really beautiful I, I feel I'm on a similar almost in a similar space now um yeah you know, you, you're working on your passion and I've always enjoyed what I've done work-wise but to now be doing my passion it's absolutely like I'm buzzing 24 7 yeah, yeah it's so incredible and I really like the fact there that you highlighted it was your community that got behind you, the people yeah. that got behind you. And were they the same people that nurtured you through, I guess, your depressions and your struggles to also help you or help raise you through your, I guess, struggles still, but into the into the person you are today? Because I think a lot of people, there I go thinking a lot of people, but I believe a lot of people don't have the confidence or courage to speak up and I guess that's one thing we're trying to really develop here at Evocative is how to have that communication skill to one, speak openly and honestly about how you're feeling or issues that might be arise, how big or how small is totally dependent on the individual. But Mm. do you, were they the same support group through, I guess you would nearly say your study was success opposed to your dark days. Were they the same people? Um, to be honest, I was one of those ones that hid everything that was going on for me. Um, my parents could see there were crappy behaviors, um, but probably didn't realize the extent of what was going on for me internally. I uh, just, I guess I didn't want to burden anyone. Um, I didn't want to put the strain of what was going on for me on anyone else. So very much in my teen years, I, I hid it away from people and never talked about how I felt. Um, which I've noticed as an adult, I still struggle to actually talk about my emotions, um, <laughs> which is interesting in the profession I'm in. <laughs> Can coach other people to do it, but struggle to do it myself. <laughs> yeah. um, but I guess, yeah, look, there was, I did have a good circle of friends in my teenage years that were there for me, which, you know, got me through. Um, during my 20s, when I was still struggling in and out of depression, um, I ended up, 
defaulting into taking medication, taking antidepressants to, to help me through those years. Um, they were a lot, I guess the depression levels were a lot stronger, couldn't hide them as well, was working, that sort of thing. So yeah, it was a lot harder to hide it. Um, still had good circle of friends around me, which yeah, definitely helped me through. Yeah. I'd love to, um, dive into that a little bit too, because I've always Mm. been under the assumption or the thought process that medicating something like a mental illness may not be the healthiest approach personally because I just believe that putting a band-aid on something that was or potentially something that you've created in your own mind is something that's got to be unraveled by your mind yeah yeah now I guess from you being on the professional side of helping people through that to also on the receiving side of the antidepressants where Mm. would you say from a professional standpoint my opinion sits in all that because I'd love to be able to have that conversation with people to be like well I actually reckon you should take the medication yeah. first to then get the confidence to work through your issues or vice versa. Yeah. What would be your advice on that? Look, medication definitely has its place. Um, some people really do, even though it might be generated, you know, within their own thought processes, some people do just absolutely 100% struggle to see past the darkness um they they do sink so far down into that deep dark hole that they actually can't even claw their way out even with all the tools in the world so that's where I feel medication is beneficial because it can actually help bring them some some chemical balance in their brain so then they can actually put the tools in place and actually build that that inner strength those inner resources to actually bring them back to a place where they can actually start then to ease out ease off the medication and just can continue on with using the the tools they've developed while they were feeling good. Yeah. And you say tools, you mean that stuff through professional advice? Yeah. 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 So you would still highly recommend even once you take that medication or get to the process, because I guess it's even a process in oneself to have the confidence to go and seek professional help to get the script, to then have the conversation. So it's quite a progressive (laughs) journey which is, is, I mean, I've been thankful enough to never have to experience it, but have plenty of friends that have. And I guess when I've seen it firsthand, someone go and take the medication, but then never mm-hmm. actually seek the professional communication side of things. My mm-hmm. belief around that was like, well, you haven't really addressed the issue. That's right. Yeah. Do you kind feel of- that those things, and certainly which will lead us into our next conversation, do you mm-hmm. think those things that becomes an unhealthy way to deal with mental health or mental illness in that regard? It can be unhealthy. Um, Some people will have to rely on medication their whole life. Some people do Mm. genuinely have chemical imbalances in their in their brains, um, which probably that's probably a little bit out of my realm. I don't do medications at all. Um, As a psychologist, we don't prescribe medications. Um, But, yeah, I feel like if you just take the medication and don't do anything else then to work through the underlying issues, you're not actually helping yourself. You're not actually doing anything proactive then to help yourself through. Yes, you can feel great and feel better on the medication, and yet you can stay on that for the rest of your life and feel that way if you want. But if you want to get better and want to actually um, improve the version of yourself that's, you know, that 
well, get to that version of yourself, I suppose, that you know is the authentic you, then staying on the medication and not doing anything actually work through the layers is not going to be beneficial. Yeah. yeah. Even if you get off it, I think you still, it's still there. I seen a great, yeah. um, well, I guess say a great picture the other day and it was a photo of a tree and it had the roots into the ground where the causes, the trunk was the problem and the leaves were the symptoms. And we're always raking up the leaves, always cleaning up the symptoms watching them go seasonally and all that sort of stuff. But unless you treat the cause and treat the actual underlying issues in any, in any relationship, friendship, job, yep. life, mental illness, whatever it is, if you don't treat the cause of the issue, I believe it's always going to, it's always going to come back. You look at weeding and garden in that regard. Like if you don't look after it properly and make sure you get all of it and chemical it and layer it and sort it all yep. out, issues come back up. Um, and I've been very blessed to not have to walk that rope yet um but also in saying that I have my own issues and causes of issues that I've explored professionally like through the relationship and now with like my father relationship or relationship Mm -hmm. with my father you know working through those things professionally because I just know that for me to be the best version of myself I can't have these traumas or things that Mm -hmm. are still underlying issues in my body and in myself to become the yep. biggest, highest, most valuable person I can be. That's right. And it's That's a beautiful exactly journey right. to be on. It is. It definitely um, is. I'd love to talk about Evocative's Three Pillars to Mental Fitness. I spoke mm, to you about sure. it briefly on the phone the other day. And those three pillars are physical movement, empathy, and discipline. And you spoke there just briefly about, you know, getting the tools and the tips to develop and work through those issues I guess where we'd like to identify ourselves in the mental fitness space opposed from mental health is more because we're not health professionals Um, we're probably not even fitness professionals but we're (laughs) we're certainly mental health advocates and we believe because they're the three pillars that have helped us through our adversities you know getting out being physical releasing those natural chemicals and endorphins and serotonins that you probably don't really produce if you're sitting down feeling depressed and sad and sorry for yourself and then empathy which is your self-love first and foremost and then learning that empathetic skill to then have cognitive empathy for connections and compassion with other people and then discipline which obviously is just repetition consistency um, and looking after yourself yeah all the time Mm. um can you just yeah I guess to the, those three pillars, physical health, uh, physical movement, empathy, and discipline, how would you in a clinical practice give people tips around possibly those three things? And if, that, if they're even helpful in mental fitness or mental health at all? Yeah, they absolutely do come into it. Um, so I guess... I try and do a bit of a bit of a holistic approach in a sense of tackling things from from multiple angles instead of just going no you just have to you know work through the psychological stuff it we you know our bodies are so important in our journey to to mental fitness or mental mental well-being so yeah absolutely um a big part of what I um help clients to do is to actually get them to see the importance of exercise you know the learning the benefits of it and um 
helping one of the biggest benefits um, that I share with clients is movement or exercise actually helps move cortisol, which is that stress hormone, helps move that out of our system. So when we're sitting around, you know, working all day, get home, we're doing all our work, our household stuff at night. We, if we don't actually spend any time moving our bodies throughout the day, we're just storing that cortisol. We're storing all those emotions and everything from the whole day in, in our bodies. So getting out, moving that, helping our bodies actually process that in the physical sense so we're not storing it in there for for later on for it to turn into some sort of physical ailment um yeah absolutely exercise is right up there with with part of what i what i like to get clients to to learn and implement into their into their daily life Um, empathy absolutely Um, if clients if if people can actually find something about themselves that they that they love you know a lot of people struggle with the self-love thing but finding even just one thing about yourself that you love can actually change the whole perspective of yourself so instead of focusing on you know the 50 things in your whole in your whole self that you don't like focusing in on just that one thing it absolutely changes everything about how you feel within yourself so that's something I do love to get clients to do is to start to shift their perspective and actually change change their their thought patterns their mindset their perspective on where they're focusing their their perspective where they're focusing things and yeah really shifted into that self-love space Um, I guess the more self-love is going to generate self-love so the more they're focusing on the things they they love about themselves the more they're going to feel that love for themselves the more they focus on the things they hate about themselves the more they're going to (laughs) dislike themselves so you're really bringing that in and then discipline that repetition so repetition is actually the key to changing our neural pathways so the more you can repeat something so thought patterns um even behavioral patterns, uh, focusing on focusing on the healthy things about yourself, the more you can repeat those, the more you're going to actually cement those neural pathways. So um, I, I always describe neural pathways as goat tracks. So do you know what a goat track is? Um, <laughs> you, you explain it. I use the word paradigms, but... Um, yeah. So, okay, so goat track is essentially, you know, those um, grass, uh, the sandy paths you walk to the beach through all the bush and everything. So the more times that's walked, the easier it is to see the path, isn't it? So, yeah, so goat, uh, neural pathway is exactly the same as the goat track. The more times it's fired, the more times it's accessed, the, the easier it is to default into that neural pathway. Same with the goat track. The more times it's walked, it's easier to walk down that pathway to the beach. Unfortunately, repetition can backfire on us because <laughs> we can repeat crappy thought patterns, crappy behaviours, and we can really cement those um, unhealthy neural pathways in our minds. So, yes, we've got to be very mindful where we're focusing our attention because through repetition we can create either really healthy neural pathways or we can create really terrible neural pathways. Yeah. What would you be a... Uh, uh... What would be a tip from Nikki in in building mental fitness? If you could, out of your clinical practice, where would you say or an avenue someone should really explore to make sure that they, one, if they've got unhealthy habits, how to navigate maybe out of that? Yeah. Um, So... Which is quite broad, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, that is quite broad. I was going to focus in on something that could be... um, 
probably a shift into uh, into a healthier set of habits would Let's probably be my there yeah Um, something I love to get all my clients to do something I do myself I practice what I preach Um, I call it my vibration list some people call it self-care list some people call it self-love list some people call it the light me up list whatever it might be so it's a essentially it's a list of things you can do for yourself that help you feel good about you so uh, let's say something simple standing in standing in the sunlight standing out in the sunlight just letting it hit you in the face um, swimming in the ocean. That's probably one of the most common ones I hear people say. Um, my good old favorite one, riding my pink cruiser down to the beach and <laughs> feeling like a little kid. <laughs> yeah. So just, I think everybody should have one of these lists, um, have it written somewhere. You very clearly see it, you know, put it on a big A3 piece of paper on the back of your bedroom door. So every time you shut your door, you see it there or, Put it on the fridge if you live by yourself and it's not going to implement everyone else. Um, Put it somewhere, write it on your bedroom mirror, you know, get a whiteboard marker or, you know, those chalk markers and, yeah, write your list on the mirror. The more often you can do things from that list, the better you are going to feel about yourself, the more motivated you're going to be to actually enjoy your life and do things in your life because it is going to raise your vibration, hence why mine's called my Raise My Vibration List because it does. It raises my vibration. It makes me want to keep doing things in life. It helps me to be the best person I can be for, you know, for my daughter, for my clients, my friends, my family, for everyone. Yeah, me. <laughs> I, I love that because I live, we spoke about just the other day, I, I spoke with someone the other day about faith and I said, I do have a faith in something, but I think I believe so much in universal laws, like the frequencies, the vibrations. Yep. It was, I was talking to my friend, Sarah, and she was a guest, Sarah Plumpton. She was a guest on the podcast several weeks ago now. And yep. we started our, our journey into mental mindset back, back in the Vima days when I was 19. And it was very much about you are what you attract and your positive vibrations, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, those positive habits, you put those thoughts, processes out there, they come back. You put negative out, they come back. And I love that you, I was reading your, um, about you on your website earlier today and it's had your, um, you live in the principle, personal principle awareness or mindset around self-awareness, self-awareness, sorry. Yep. And it also yep. goes on to read about, you know, living in that vibrational state. And mm-hmm. I believe, like, I haven't met a sh- single shit person in 12 months. I haven't had really a bad day in 12 months. I've had, you know, I've got my struggles with that and stuff yep. like that, but I don't let those things happen or or don't let mm-hmm. those things come over me because I'm just in such a positive vibration all the time. Um, yeah, I, I do a daily highlight. So that's the end of every day. I reflect on my full day and, the things that yep. I've done. And most of the time I found there was such a big hat, like a, I guess a big on reflection was such a big trend. It was all about like sunshine, nature, running, like all just things that I absolutely love. Always the highlight, like cooking. I'm like, <laughs> how come it just, it was repetitive. I feel like I'm writing the same thing, but it's just because I made sure I kept doing those things to make sure I was, and I was just on top of the world. Awesome. Um, I love it. I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into empathy. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess my brief understanding of empathy is around the three topics or the three types, emotional, cognitive, and compassionate. Um, Do you just, I guess, do you use the word empathy a lot with 
your practices or would you use something different? Because I think it's something that we're trying to get men to talk more openly and honestly. And we've decided on the word empathy or the trait of empathy or being more empathetic, um, yep. which I explained briefly before about, you know, showing yourself love um, first mm-hmm. and foremost, you know, that positive self-awareness, that positive self-talk. But then in having that positive self-talk, learning how to be empathetic in other means through your communication with other people Mm. and whether it's the wrong word for what we're trying to achieve but I think being more empathetic towards people showing a level of emotional as much as you can like I'm not a very emotional person like if you were sad Mm. I'd be comforting but I wouldn't be able to cry with you or you know talk like that but I think mine comes more to like the compassionate, which is kind of my understanding is a mix of the cognitive and emotional. Just explain those to our audience and to me, I guess, how you would (laughs) use them and um, how you practice or preach the word empathy or what what might be our best way to get men to be more empathetic or to build those traits to better their communication. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I don't always use the word empathy. Um, I feel like, I don't know, it's kind of something that clients just expect me to have the empathy, for me to be able to sit there and, and hold space and, you know, be able to listen to their stuff. So I probably don't use that for clients as much as what they would expect from me. Um, I probably use the word compassion more for clients. So really focusing in on that self-compassion. Um, I find that um, most of us struggle with that, that critical voice inside our heads, which leads us into feeling pretty crap about ourselves. It leads us into projecting stuff onto others. So um, that, that self-compassion is probably the angle I more so use. Uh, sounds like you, you're on the same, same path, kind of getting them to be uh, more in tune with with others' emotions while also getting them to be more compassionate for themselves. Is that that what you're trying to get at as well? Yeah. Mate, yeah. yeah. Yep. Even the word vulnerability comes up in conversation quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, showing yep. our vulnerability or our vulnerable side, becoming more vulnerable yep. in expressing yeah. our emotions uh, yep. has certainly allowed me to navigate through my emotional struggles um, yeah. in talking about them. And I've even found recently since being more open about them and just having conversations so many people are dealing with similar stuff and I've found just being vulnerable as an individual has allowed people to have the confidence in me to be vulnerable themselves and I think that's absolutely priceless it's a beautiful thing when, because what what actually happens? So when you open up there and and show your emotion, you you show that vulnerability. So you actually take that vulnerability stance. You're actually creating a really safe place for someone else to be vulnerable. So it's it's something that happens within us. It's not even something we are cognitively aware of, but it's something that happens within us. We just go, oh, I can feel. I feel like I can open up to him because he's going to get it. He's going to understand. So it's it's almost like a chemical reaction that happens within us when we see someone else being vulnerable all of a sudden we go oh yeah I can do this too I can I feel like I can open up so yeah it's really about creating that safe place for people um that's it's it's almost like when you you know when you build rapport with someone and someone sort of they they go oh yeah I really like this guy you've got more likelihood of them opening up to you 
once you've built that rapport with them. So, you know, once you've built the rapport, then the next step is to come in then and you be vulnerable with them so they can go, oh, I really like this guy. And, oh, now I feel safe with this guy. So that really then will help generate that flow of them opening up and actually trusting you. Yeah, because it yeah. does. It comes down to that that need for trust, that need for safety. Yeah, honesty. How mm. could, how could um, I guess, I'm on this beautiful journey and understanding myself to be able to allow myself to be more vulnerable and share my emotions, yeah. and I guess it really helps other people, um, which I've yeah. experienced firsthand a lot lately, which is magic. How could someone else, I mean, I worked in the mining industry for a long time. How could yeah. someone, and if I, if I had the skills I had now, I mean, I could probably change a lot of lives or work yeah. on, you know, getting to that emotional connection. What's the, like a quick little tip possibly, or even an in-depth tip that someone, especially males, um, I suppose that's where evocative are situated in that yeah. space. What is something that they could do to be able to break that barrier and start that conversation, have that, maybe that, yeah, say if I had a bit of a struggle and wanted to show my vulnerability or wanted to have that conversation with someone, how could I engage in that? So it's, I guess, that is a hard step only because I tend to notice men are a bit less in tune with their actual emotions. So actually what is going on for them. So I guess the step before that engagement of conversation would be to actually just identify within you that emotion you're feeling. So I actually show clients this beautiful emotions wheel, beautiful coloured thing. (laughs) And it's just a little tool to start to get people more in tune with, with their emotional state. So actually identifying our emotions goes a really long way to help us even process what's going on for us. So, you know, that stick icky feeling where you just don't feel like yourself, you just feel a bit lost or you just, a lot of people say, I'm just having a bad day. So if they can stop and pause for just even a couple of moments and go, well, how do I actually feel right now? That's actually going to go a long way to unlock what's actually going on for them and actually help them move through that rather than just being stuck in that all day. It's actually a really great way to actually help people, yeah, step into it, just a different different vibration. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to so get you this. conversation starter. Yeah, have <laughs> that conversation. Right now. <laughs> yeah, have that conversation with yourself first. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, which really dives into your big project at the moment, uh, Intuitive <laughs> You. It's your personal coaching business. Um, and I see it's got a beautiful website, lovely photo of yourself and some brilliant courses and stuff there that people all over the world can connect with you and, and learn the tips and tricks to get in that positive vibrational state. And I know yeah. your focus, funnily enough, is on the women's space. And can you please, please just talk to us, you know, on the journey into that, why that becomes yeah. something so important to you and what it's all about, please? Yeah. Well, as with my history, with massive pain point being failed relationships, um, I the more I talked to friends about it, a bit like you, once I started opening up about it, the more I realised that so many women struggle with relationships. They And I was watching friends projecting their their wounding onto men and, you know, slaying the crap out of these relationships because of their own emotional wounding. So I was like, you know what? I actually, I just want to help women. I actually, I've grown so much. I mean, I'm by far, you know, I'm not perfect. Don't think anyone is ever, (laughs) but (laughs) I've definitely, I've definitely merged into, um, 
a really great version of myself. And I know that there's better versions to come and I can't wait for those versions, but I am really enjoying the version I've become because of working through all of these layers and actually changing the behavioral patterns I had in relationships. And I just want, I just want to share that with other women. I just want other women to actually grow and experience really amazing relationships where, you know, even though you do get triggered, because we we all still get triggered, I really want triggers not to be a bad thing. I really want it to be a growth point for people. And I really want people to actually be able to grab that trigger and go, right, I can heal this. I can work through this. And that's part of the, the online courses I'm doing is to really grow and develop that authentic self. So once you are triggered, like, you know, use that as a springboard into, you know, working through the emotions of it, processing everything that's happened in the background and actually healing the underlying wound. So going forward, yeah, if you get triggered, it's not going to be anywhere near as tense or you may not even get triggered on that that level at all anymore because you have healed it. So it's a really exciting, really exciting project for me. Um, something I've really enjoyed doing. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to, yeah, just keep growing and developing that um, as the, as the, I guess, as the universe brings forward what it wants me to do, I'm just going to keep adding to it. <laughs> That's beautiful. And I guess, does that, stipulate is it specifically for women or do you do treatment or you've just sort of stayed in your lane um look I definitely I've had a lot of interest from men um to you know step over and actually it'd literally just be a change of language or a little bit of a you know just yeah varying how the the I guess the delivery of what I've what I've said in my courses and stuff um I definitely do work with men probably not on as massive a scale as what I do with women um, but yeah, it's look, we all have similar, I guess, a similar process of how we work through things. Um, I find men probably need a bit more attention in the emotional development side of things, um, to get them more in tune with those emotions. And actually, just like you were describing before, getting in into that safety of being able to be vulnerable. Um, but once you can get them there and they can actually tune into those emotions and work through the, start to work through the layers and actually make form the connections of why they have these woundings, it's, yeah, it's pretty easy to work with them and pull them forward into a newer version of themselves. So the principles are, are quite universal. It's just the way you've applied those principles of yeah. being more in the female woman side yeah. of things because I know there's plenty of males out there that I mean have emotional wounding especially like through divorces and working too much and their different awarenesses and focuses that have caused heartache and separation and just a magnitude of pain that they never resolve they just cover it up with another relationship or alcohol and drugs and I guess I was yep. blessed in, in the fact that I was self-aware that I knew that I couldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> I spoke at a school at the start of the year and I was just telling my story and I said, I've, I, I got to the crossroad at the separation. I could have gone two ways. Like I had enough money to party every day. I had enough money to do whatever drugs. I, like I could have gone, kissed everything up yep. the wall, rooted anything that walked and really just yep. dug myself this massive hole. Um mm. But I chose, and I guess it comes back to everything, is making that choice yeah. to become the bigger, better version of myself. And, you know, it's two yeah. years later now, and I was only talking about it last night or the night before, that it's I, I definitely not looking for love or for anything like that, but 
I'm in such a beautiful place with who I am and this journey and I'm finally working on my passion that it almost feels like it could just happen. Which yeah. Is very weird for me to think and feel. <laughs> um, That's what it does. <laughs> especially the journey that I'm on. I'm like, mm, I don't want to sacrifice my van with anyone. Um, and I certainly don't want to pull up in the van. So it is interesting. And I, I feel um, it's quite heartwarming, though, at the same time. Like, I'm a bit, I'm probably more defensive on it because of my circumstances and my mission at the moment. But it's cool to be in a place that I've been able to explore my emotions and explore who I am empathetically, physically, spiritually, spiritually, and just get in touch with that, you know, become mm -hmm. self-aware and be able to navigate now into potentially, you know, into love, which I'll definitely want to find one day. Um, probably not, uh, probably a little way down the track in my little journey, yeah. but um, yeah, it's really quite exciting. It is. It um, is. And mum spoke there too. I guess in that intuitive view, you become you you became uh, quite intuitive with yourself. And she spoke mm. of a, a period of time there where you were manifesting some stuff to put yourself out there and find find your true love. And talk to us about that because I think that was so so deep in your self-awareness, you knew what you wanted, that you put it out there in, into the vibrational space, into the universe, and it come back tenfold. It did. It did. Yes. So I've, I've, I guess I've had a lot of clarity or I've been building the clarity, I suppose, around what, what I wanted in a partner. Um, obviously, with, with my failed relationships over the years I knew what I didn't want but I guess the clarity really comes with what you do want and actually honing in and manifesting on what you do want if you I guess focus in on that I don't I don't I don't you're only going to create that because that's where you're focusing <laughs> so yeah so I was very fortunate enough um Part of my manifesting was to obviously move down to the Sunshine Coast. I knew that I wasn't going to beat my, meet my forever person um, back where I was. But, uh, yeah, moving down here and staying true to myself, yeah, I have manifested the perfect guy. And, yeah, he's come into my world and it's... It's been really amazing to the point where, you know, I'm actually seeing the amount of growth I've had um, and how much I've actually changed as a person in a relationship. Um, and yeah, we, we help each other now navigate through and, you know, yes, we both get triggered um, and we both help each other through, which is, it's what it's all about. You know, you're there to, to help each other keep growing and um, leveling up basically. Yeah. So yeah, it's really, really special. <laughs> Practice what you preached and now you're a product of, of your service, which it's is so perfect. beautiful. Um, yeah. Talk to us a little bit more about your service because mum said you're quite a crafty lady and um, <laughs> we spoke just before the, the podcast we started recording about some yeah. extra things in, in your space and certainly around the female um, yeah. side of things. But I think there could be an avenue, like we got a broad audience here at Evocative yep. Project and I think it'd be, like honestly I started thinking about my sisters and stuff like that and how it could help mm -hmm. them through some things just because yeah. we have that personal connection which is beautiful I believe um talk yeah. about that because it could be something that you know partners male or female can you know have the conversation around yep 
Yeah, so as part of my healing journey, as I mentioned earlier, I had a lot of hormonal imbalances. So I have been working with a, natu- a beautiful naturopath for the last couple of years to, to correct that. And as part of that balancing those hormones, um, I well, she introduced me to, to yoni steaming, which is um, essentially you you've got a, a blend, a special blend of herbs for depending on what you need corrected a special blend of hers which you place into hot water and you sit over that um that hot water and you steam your vaginal and um womanly area female area um so coupled with meditation or even just sitting still with that for you know 15 20 minutes um as part of that, I wasn't enjoying the process so well to start with. Um, <laughs> I had to begin the the yoni steaming, sitting the bowl in the toilet and sitting on the toilet, which wasn't a very pleasant experience. Yeah. So I put my creative hat on and I built myself a yoni steaming stool, which is where, yeah, the creativeness flowed out of me. My inner child loved it and still loved it. And I just kept building. And now I've got a whole office around me where I'm sitting right now full of yoni steaming stools so yeah. <laughs> um yeah so they're just a, a very simple stool um you can sort of see one behind me yeah um very um beautiful wooden top on them and a really strong pine leg frame with a little little uh shelf to put the bowl on so very simple very I love mine I do full moon yoni steaming um it's amazing probably a once a week practice for me um yeah but so many like so many physical benefits so obviously I mentioned I have the endometriosis so it helps helps with the um the pain and the flow of endometriosis it helps with uh women after they've had birth helps them you know helps with the healing process after that um helps tighten the vaginal canal um there's so many so many uh, physical benefits also goes into there is like huge amounts of emotional and spiritual benefits as well so um it's actually a um now I won't say I'm no <laughs> I'm no guru on yoni steaming as I said I was introduced by it so everything I've learned is from information from my naturopath or from what I've been researching online so I guess my my little expertise is the building of the stool rather than yeah. <laughs> the actual practice itself but it's something I do love and something that um that that spiritual connection that part of that reconnecting back in with that that feminine energy and that that womb space um that was part of my massive disconnect growing up so having an opportunity now to actually reconnect with that that real strong womb space because it's it's such a center of creativity for women it's such a a beautiful source of energy down there and most of us are so disconnected from it, which it's so heartbreaking, you know, whether it's through sexual trauma or just, you know, being shamed growing up, whatever it might be, there might be so many different, different things that have led to that. Um, yeah, really amazing to reconnect with that and actually experience. I almost feel like it's now like a full body connection. I feel like I had my mind going really well and yeah, now channeling down in through into my womb space as well. It's yeah, it's really generating that, that full body connection for me. So beautiful experience. Um, is there anything for men? Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know much about it, but yeah. absolutely. Um, there's definitely, um, I don't know what they call it, but it's, mm. 
yeah, steaming for men. There are there are definitely people have started developing herbs and herb blends and stuff for men. Um, so yeah, it's definitely definitely a thing. Um, but as I don't know enough about it to give you any more. That's okay. <laughs> I'll um I'll do some personal research anyway because I think it's yeah where you said it it really brings you into your own self and your internal energies. One probably because you're sitting there, you know, mm-hmm. relaxing, switching off, channeling energies to heal yourself you know, mm-hmm. for 20, 15, 20 minutes, which I think is priceless for a lot of people. Yeah, um, and is. then, to, yeah, it's it's such a strong energy. Like the groin, the mind in the groin is probably your most responsive action <laughs> brain in your whole makeup. Yeah. Like as soon as you get touched out, like it's triggered. Um, yeah. So it's such a beautiful thing that I guess you're able to provide women a service to be more in touch with that. Um, and that's, mm. I guess, why I was interested in the male side of things. But Yeah. Um, no, I think it's there's definitely an avenue there for it. And, I mean, the stools I've built definitely could be used by men. Like they're not... Yeah. Um, they're not sexist by any means. <laughs> <laughs> they're quite, actually. I've I seen them on the website. I can see in the background. They're quite crafty. That's yeah. why I had to ask if you built them because they're quite a beautiful, sleek design. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, it's something I sort of, um, I did laugh. I showed, I drew, you know, on your phone, you've got the notes section. I drew a figure drawing and I showed my partner and he just laughed and thought it was the best thing ever. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to build that. And then I made him sit there and watch me build it for a whole weekend for the prototype. <laughs> but it came pretty much spot on to what I drew. But <laughs> nah, that's incredible. And I, I love that you're exploring different ways that, certainly females can get more in touch and you know heal themselves through you know the, the energies the universal energies and then certainly from within with their mind and everything like that it's so incredible that you've been able to channel your adversities your struggles to blossom into this beautiful career and now into a beautiful business intuitive view and it's been really exciting to have you on the evocative project today i'm gonna end with one thing we always love to dive into this question and it's you might be able to shed some light professionally on we use the word why finding our why which is inevitably becomes our motivation and um, we've had great tips from patients to doing things you love to not even searching for it which is funny enough um yeah. what would something you'd say to or a piece of advice from nikki in, in finding your why and in finding your motivation or your purpose or whoever you'd like to word that my why would actually have to come down to the first time I met a new version of myself um, was one of the most unfamiliar, uncomfortable experiences of my life. Um, I felt amazing, but I, I would, it just was so unfamiliar to me. I, I couldn't explain it and I, I almost wanted to run away from it, but the fact that it felt so amazing, I knew it had to be a good thing. So the the new versions of ourselves is my why. I feel like we all have these beautiful new versions of ourselves that we get to meet. And every time we clear old energy, every time we heal a layer, every time we shed ourselves of old behaviors, we meet this new version of ourselves. Sometimes it's like epic, like fireworks in the sky epic. Other times it's just this little, oh, I felt amazing. But each and every time there's this beautiful new version. And you know what? If I can help people achieve that, that's my why. I I just love it so much and I want everyone else to love it too oh, and experience it. 
<laughs> I feel that I was sitting at the beach the other day and I looked over um, over the bay into this the headland and just had this like emotion come over me and I just like I was just sitting there chilling listening to music and my whole face is like lit up like biggest smile <laughs> in the world I was like pinching myself I'm like no way I'm like how the fuck did I get here and yes, I'm like, that's it. It was, I get it quite often now now that I've noticed what that feeling is but you described that so brilliantly just oh, be motivated <laughs> to find the new versions of yourself through your journey yeah that is incredible Nikki or Nicole Horsford, thank you so much for joining us on the Evocative Project today. It's been such a privilege to have your professional insight into so many incredible topics. And thank you so much for everything you're doing for women in the relationship space and certainly with your general practices uh, to the broader audience. Uh, I know they're super grateful and I'm super grateful for your time today. Oh, thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. (laughs) 